This morning's scripture reading will be taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 34. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It is great to see you. We have a number of guests, and for your presence, we are really thankful. Thanks for being with us. The hope of any nation, the hope of any nation is to put its hope in the true and the living God. Keep that in mind. The hope of any nation is to keep its hope, to have its hope, in the true and the living God. This Tuesday, November the 8th, we have our midterm elections. All 435 seats in the House of Representatives, there's elections occurring in those. All 435 in the House of Representatives. As we think about state senators... 35 out of 100, there's an election being held. As we think about governors, 36 states out of the 50 are having an election for governor, including our own state, Texas. To some, this lesson may sound political, but I assure you that it is profoundly biblical and practical. It's not about religious partyism, about political partyism, but rather about the practice of godliness and righteousness. God's people should live soberly, righteously, and godly, no matter what the present governmental structure may be. Titus 2, 11 and 12. But I hasten to add, there are governments... And there are governmental authorities that make it easier for us to do our job as Christians than others. And we must ever keep that in mind as we vote. But I want to say this. With the election on Tuesday, November the 8th, there are a number of things we'll know by Wednesday, November the 9th. And there are some things that will still be true no matter who's in office or who isn't. Think about those with me for a moment. Psalm 46 and verse 1 will still be true. Our God is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in time of trouble. That's still going to be true regardless of who's in or out of office. We need to think of it that way as Christians. Revelation 19.6 will still be true regardless of who wins the political races. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. Third, when I think about things that will still be true come Wednesday or Thursday, 
there will only be one kingdom that can never be destroyed. And that kingdom is the kingdom of God. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. That will still be true come Wednesday or Thursday. As we think about things that will still be true, think of 2 Timothy 2, 19. The Lord knows them that are His. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? The Lord knows them that are His, who belong to Him. And here's something else that will still be true regardless of the results of the election. I'm not saying that politics and policies are unimportant. Just the opposite. But what I am saying is that there are things that are far, far more important than an election. And it has to do with understanding that a nation's only hope is in the true and living God. But an individual's only hope is in the true and living God as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. We have been begotten again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What a powerful thought. Our Lord is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19 and verse 16. And that will most assuredly be true when all the results of the midterm election are in. What I'd like to do is look at five biblical principles with you. Five biblical principles about... A nation's only hope. Five biblical principles concerning a nation's only hope. Principle number one. Think about this with me. God rules over and overrules the nations of men. God rules over and overrules the nations of men. I think of Isaiah chapter 54. I think of Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How true it is that the Lord rules over and overrules the nations of men. After all, He is the Creator... He is the sustainer. Carl talked about that in the Lord's Supper meditation. A nation cannot be blessed unless it looks to the blesser in love and thanks in praise. You know... The Bible says in Isaiah 40 and verse 15, and we tend to trust in technology. We we tend to trust in our weaponry and our military. We tend to trust in our education. 
But Isaiah 40 and verse 15 says, All of the might of all of the nations is like a drop in the bucket to God. What a picture that paints. And in Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 5 through 8, you've got God talking about nations and individual leaders are clay. And God is the master potterer. How we need to keep in mind that God is still on the throne. He has not abdicated. He has not turned it over to the devil. And most assuredly, he's not turned over the world and the nations of the world to human leaders. He's still in control. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2 are very important to think about. People who are Christians should be some of the best citizens that you can find in any nation. We want to pray for our leaders and abide by laws that are not in conflict with the will of God. We want to pray and pay our taxes. We want to obey the laws of the land so that we might be able to live a peaceful and quiet life here. So that we might put our attention, focus our attention even more on the eternal how we need to keep in mind that God rules over and overrules the nations of men. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, in Daniel chapter 4? In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who was really full of himself, but we stop and we say it's almost as if he had reason to be. He was a leader of the known world at that time and the victories that he'd had in a military way and the the progress that had happened under his leadership, it was phenomenal. And he suffered from the big head. And as you recall the story, God brought him to humility Because he lost his mind for a period of time and ate grass out in the field as if he were just a cow or a goat. When he is restored to his faculties, there's Daniel 4, 34 through 37, where Nebuchadnezzar says, those who walk in pride... He is able to bring low. Leaders need to recognize that. And citizens of any nation need to recognize that as well. Biblical principle number two. America is a nation that has been greatly blessed by God. The one who rules over and overrules the nations of men really has blessed America in 
an unbelievable fashion. I think of the freedoms that we enjoy. The freedom to worship. The freedom to be able to vote. The freedom to pursue life and liberty and the pursuit of holiness as long as I am not seeking to do harm to others. This is a land that is very blessed. I think of the amazing resources that we have as a country. Think of the fertile nature of the soil in so many places in our country. Think about the food that is produced. Think about the meat that is produced. Think about the vegetables. We live in a fertile land. We've been so blessed. But how about a land of abundant opportunity? No one can really question that America is a land of abundant opportunity. Just look around. In our own assembly this very morning, there are people that have done very well and are very successful as Christians because they believe that it's important to serve the true and the living God and that He has blessed this nation and He's blessed them in their lives and in their businesses too. In Deuteronomy 8, in verse 18, the Word of God told the Israelites, It is God who gives you the power to have wealth and good things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, the Word of God says, What do you have that you have not received? The whole idea is this. The blessings we have come from a source, and that source is God. Our blessings come from heaven's mercy, not merely from human merit. Every good and perfect gift proceeds from the Father of lights. James 1 and verse 17. That brings me to a third biblical principle I hope that you'll think about with me. God's blessings... may be turned from a nation. God's blessings may be turned from a nation. If that were true of Israel and Judah under the Old Testament, can it not be true of any nation Open your Bibles to Hosea, the fourth chapter. 
Because no nation really has this covenant relationship with God the way Israel did in the Old Testament. So if Israel and Judah went down in the Old Testament, it should let us know that the possibility exists for God to turn His blessings away from any nation, America included. Now look at Hosea chapter 4 as it speaks of Israel. And notice verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3. In verse 1, in verse 1, it is said that there is a lack of faithfulness. Mark that. There is no faithfulness. No truthfulness, no integrity, that there is a conspicuous lack of godly character that exists among Israel. Then it says, there is no steadfast love. There's a lack of mercy and grace. There's a lack of compassion from one human being in Israel to another. There is a lack of faithfulness. There is a lack of steadfast love. And then the text goes on to say that there is a lack. There is no knowledge of God. And verse 1 of chapter 4 begins with God saying, I have this controversy with Israel, His own people. He says, I bring this charge, this indictment against my own people. And then notice Hosea 4 and verse 2. Speaking of God's people, Israel, he says they are given to to swearing and lying or deception, to murder, to stealing, to idolatry. And if you just compare the five expressions mentioned in verse 2 to Exodus chapter 20, five out of the ten commandments are broken. Boom, 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 boom. And this is Israel. What has become of this nation that had been so great under Saul and David and Solomon? What has become of this nation? Now notice verse 3. The lack of virtue and the presence of vice, of sin, has had an impact even on the land and the sky and the seas. Wow. When you go down in Hosea chapter 4, look at verse 17. Judah, remember you had ten tribes that were called Israel? Two tribes that are known as Judah? Judah 
exist as a nation for 125 to 150 years longer than Israel. 125 to 150 years longer than Israel. Israel, when the kingdom divided, did not have even one good king. And yet they still lasted by God's long-suffering patience until 722 B.C. Judah would last another 125 to 150 years and be taken by Babylon in 586, 587 B.C., especially because they had at least some leaders that would turn their hearts to God and listen. What Judah is told at the close of chapter 4 is striking. At one time, this was one nation. It had divided into two, a northern and southern kingdom. But God tells Judah, the southern kingdom, let Ephraim alone. Let Israel alone. Ephraim, Israel is joined to idols. I ask you, if a nation may cause God's long-suffering nature to eventually withhold some of his blessings because people are not faithful, if, because people don't believe in steadfast love, and mercy, and kindness. Because of a lack of integrity and character. If that were true then, might it not also be true now? Is swearing and deception common? Is murder, is stealing is idolatry. How we need to think about these things. Because one person can make a difference. More about that momentarily. That brings me to a fourth biblical principle. The present course of this nation... The present course of this nation ought to cause considerable alarm to thoughtful Christians. The present course of this nation ought to cause considerable alarm to thoughtful Christians. I believe that many people would say, that certainly in the last 50 years, the changes that have taken place in this nation have been astounding. Some for good. Some not for good.
a proud and arrogant America will not be blessed by God. The pride of your heart has brought you down, God told the Edomites, Obadiah, verse 3. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16 and verse 18. The pride of life, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, is one of the devil's oldest ploys, one of his most ancient ways of tempting us. As a nation, we best not get too big for our britches. Because any nation's only hope is in the true and living God. Number two, our nation, America, is a violent, angry nation. You can't get on social media without seeing how ticked off people are. A violent, angry nation. I didn't grow up in that kind of nation. Some of you have. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9, a wise man wrote, Do not be hasty in your spirit to be angry. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Be angry and sin not, Ephesians 4.26, one of the most difficult commandments in all of Scripture to really abide by. Are you concerned about the violence that you see in this country? And concerned about your family, your children, your grandchildren? I believe many Americans are, I think most are because we see too much anger anger that escalates in violence I know I'm an old fogey but I remember years back when many students had a shotgun in the back of their truck I'm not advocating for one thing or another but they didn't go and and take the lives of students in the school What has happened? A violent and angry America has come about that has little regard for God or for human life at times. We have now a perverse, sensual America A perverse, sensual America. We see it everywhere from our magazines to digital presence to television to movies. What about Job 31 and verse 1? I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon the woman. What about a failure to honor God's will concerning marriage? What about the increase of behavior sexually 
that God's word speaks out against plainly. The present course of America ought to be a cause of real alarm for us. How about the pleasure-mad, materialistic America? Whoever has the most toys at the end wins. People being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4. How about people who struggle even if they're Christians with trying to serve two masters? Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And what strikes me probably the most is now I wonder if the nation still has its conscience. Or have we become a people like in the book of Judges? Every man did what was right where? In his own eyes. Judges 17.6 And that's the problem. When the sovereign is self and not God, after a while, God will no longer bless because he's the sovereign. He's the true and living God. That brings me to biblical principle number five. The hope of every nation is God, the true and living God. What I am saying is true of America, but it would be true of any nation. The hope of any nation is God. I believe with all my heart that America is still a great country. With all her faults... We should love this nation because it has afforded us many blessings through God's hands. But I want you to think about this. Every one of us as Christians should do what we can to strengthen and support this nation to be what God would want us to be as a people, to honor Him as a people. Lest the time come that this nation won't be worth saving and supporting. It's gone so far. So those who love the nation, those who are Christians, I want to say this to you. God may well use the Christians of this nation far more than the scientists, far more than the educators, far more than the technology experts. Because God has typically used people who respected him in amazing ways. So I encourage you to pray. Pray as a family. 
I encourage you to vote. We ought to be the best citizens that any nation can have. Christians should. I encourage you to be honest and to pay your taxes. I encourage you to understand that you are a citizen of America and yet your citizenship is really in heaven. I just don't see how one person can make any difference. I just don't see how a family or a congregation can make any difference. One person saved an entire nation. Her name was Esther. Was it a wicked and corrupt nation? You better believe it was. One man's prayers kept God from stomping out, stamping out an entire nation. Moses' prayers kept God from doing that with Israel. And one man's actions delivered the whole world from sin. Jesus Christ. Do not tell me that one person cannot make a difference. I pray that we will raise up in the church individuals like Daniel and Joseph. I pray that we will have sons and daughters of Issachar who understand the times and who know what to do. And I believe that God will bless His people when we seek to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 13-16. In a nation and a world that's often dark. Please pray with me. Thank you, God, for the time that we've been able to have to think about your will, your blessings and goodness and grace, and this nation. Help us to be good citizens of this country. Help us to be even better Christians. We pray, dear God, that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will live in a nation that looks to you more because of the efforts that we put forth. Thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy here. Thank you for the abundant material blessings and blessings of the land that we've been able to live off of for so long now. Thank you for the abundant opportunities provided here. In Christ's name, amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 7.14. It is a super passage to end with by way of principle. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14.
If my people who are called by my name will hear my voice and humble themselves and pray and forsake their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. Certainly that is something that we can pray in principle today. If you're not a Christian, what an opportunity you are afforded this very hour. The opportunity to come to Christ in faith and repentance and in baptism. To have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus shed at the cross. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus purchased the church. Acts 20 and verse 28. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus makes us saved. It redeems us. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. And the real question is this. How do I reach the blood of Jesus that washes away my sins and puts me into his family, the church? And the answer is through faith, repentance, and baptism. Trusting in God to do what he said he would do because of Jesus. Forgive us. I suspect that there are some Christians that just love to get uh, in various media and go back and forth on various political issues. I think we need to be even more principled than that. We need to know when to speak and when not. And we need to make sure that when we speak, we speak wisely and well. Amen? Because I've seen far too many Christians go at one another on digital media. And it hurts the cause of Christ. Be careful. Be wise. Speak in a way that honors the Lord. Let us stand and sing.